0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show Podcast, Hour 2. It's an open line Friday. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425, if you want to call in. Uh, I Let me just, I, I, I wanted to jump into the news in the last hour, and I'll just, I'll start here on the small person note. So on, when was it now? I've lost all track of days. On Wednesday... I got up Wednesday morning and I didn't feel spectacular. And I hadn't had a lot to eat the night before. And I thought, I just, I need to get something to eat. So I went uh, before the show and I got something to eat. And about halfway through the show, uh, everything that I had e- eaten, I revisited in the bathroom. And it was awful, disgusting, gross. And then came back in, sat down and, and was still nauseous wound up leaving before the uh, start of the third hour and never left the bed yesterday. I And I don't feel fantastic, but as the day has gone on today, I'm feeling way better than I did. I, I feel at this point pretty much normal. Uh, it, it, several hours ago, I didn't, uh, but now I do. But, it, man, there is this, uh, in my town, there's a stomach bug sweeping the neighborhood, the community, the city, and I guess I I don't know how I got it. But I got it. Uh and, oh, it was awful. It's like uh 24, 48 hours of misery. And then I'm fine. All that being said, my throat is still a little rusty from everything. And if you want to call in about topics I wasn't going to talk about, today is the perfect day to do it because it's a Friday, 877-973-7425. I do need to jump back, though, to the topic that I started the show with because this is some rather big news you gotta keep in mind. The Federal Reserve has been doing everything possible to tame inflation. And what they've tried to do is slowly raise interest rates. And let me just step back. It's been a while since I've explained this to you and I admit out of the gate, I'm not an expert here, but but I think can do a fairly competent job. Um, Banks get their money from the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve charges an interest rate. Banks then mark up that interest rate to a higher rate when they give it to you. And that markup, that difference is how banks make most of their money in in loans and deals. The fees that they charge you for having a checking account are, are de minimis to banks compared to you go get a mortgage from them. The Federal Reserve charges them 3% for the money. They charge you 5% for the money. Uh, there's a 2% difference there. That, that's their profit margin. Well, when the Fed was charging banks virtually nothing and banks were therefore charging you virtually nothing, there was a lot of money flowing into the economy. In addition, all of the money the government itself was spending, pumping dollars into the economy to stabilize things after COVID. That causes inflation for a lot of reasons that causes inflation. Uh, Part of that inflation is labor costs. Uh, keeping people around, keeping people at work. You had to pay them higher salaries. That then translated into higher costs. But also you had supply chain issues. Things were more expensive because there were shortages. That increased uh, the prices. That caused inflation. Energy costs went up. That translated into inflation across the board. Uh, When you buy ground chuck at the grocery store, a pound of ground chuck, you're paying for the cost of transporting the cow, the cost of feeding the cow, the cost of butchering the cow, the cost of packaging up the cow, the cost of the, the Saran wrap and the Styrofoam around the package of ground chuck, and all that cost has gone up because of energy costs. So prices have gone up. When there's so much money in, in the economy, uh, things roar to life and costs go up. If everybody has $500 to buy the Xbox, It reduces the supply of the Xbox, and so the price of the Xbox goes to $1,000. So now not everybody can buy it. The, The price has been inflated. And the way the Federal Reserve tames that, the way it calms it down, the way it slows things down is it raises interest rates. So when the Federal Reserve goes from charging banks a tenth of a percent to take money from the Fed to now 5%, Well, now you're going to be less likely to get money from the bank at a higher rate. It's going to cost you more money if you do. That then pulls money out of other areas of the economy. It slows everything down. Here's the problem. The Federal Reserve has a very bad track record at slowing down the economy without sparking a recession. It's trying to to use the, 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 the common expression, land a plane, without crashing the plane. The Fed has never landed the plane without crashing the plane. And the hope is that as it lands the plane, well, it's not really going to crash the plane. It's just the tail is going to slam and spark on the runway or it may have to slide down the runway, may run off the runway a little bit, but the plane will be salvageable. It's not just going to completely destroy the plane. The Federal Reserve is unlikely to be able to bring down interest rates without or bring down inflation without raising interest rates even higher causing a recession according to a new research paper released. Former Fed Governor Frederick Mishkin is among the authors, this is from CNBC, of the white paper that examines the history of central bank efforts to create disinflation, not deflation. Deflationary events are very bad. We don't want deflation, we just want disinflation. That is, we want inflation to slow down. Despite the sentiments of many current Fed officials That they can manage a soft landing while tackling high prices the paper says it's unlikely we find no instance in which a central bank induced disflation occurred without a recession said the paper the paper was presented friday morning during a monetary policy forum presented by the university of chicago booth school of business the Fed has implemented a series of interest rate hikes in an effort to tame inflation that's been at its highest level in 41 years. Markets widely expect a few more hikes before the Fed can pause to assess the impact the tighter policies having on the economy. However, the paper suggests there's probably a ways to go. Simulations of our baseline model suggest the Fed will need to tighten policy significantly further to achieve its inflation objective by the end of 2025. Even assuming stable inflation expectations, our analysis casts doubt on the ability of the Fed to engineer a soft landing in which inflation returns to the 2% target by the end of 2025 without a mild recession. The paper, however, rejects the idea of raising the 2% inflation standard. In addition, the researchers say the central bank should abandon its new policy framework adopted in 2020. That change implemented average inflation targeting, allowing inflation to run hotter than normal in the interest of more inclusive employment recovery. Now, this is some fancy gobbledygook. Let me explain this to you. The Federal Reserve has largely said that a, a stable amount of inflation is 2%. That cost should be able to go up every year about 2%. That's manageable. It allows employers to calculate in employee pay raises at about 3%. So you always come out ahead of inflation. It allows the economy to heat up without overheating. What the Fed has done in a few years uh, in 2020 because of COVID is said, we'll let inflation get a little hotter than 2% if it means full employment. And these people are saying that's a bad idea, that the idea should be 2% inflation and don't change that. Now, are you still with me? Because it's complicated. I'm trying to simplify it as well. Here's the problem. Inflation is higher than the Federal Reserve expected, and the Federal Reserve took some major jumps in interest rates to banks to slow down the economy. And they expected that inflation would still be high, but they would see inflation decline. They expected inflation would still be high, but that it would be reduced. So instead of being an 8% inflation rate, annual inflation rate, it would be 7% and then it would be 6%. Here's the problem. We now have a month, January in particular, on multiple metrics showing that inflation spiked again. And one of the issues that can cause inflation to spike is energy prices. When energy prices go up, it affects everything because let's go back to let's go back to your pound of ground chuck. Well, uh the the styrofoam packaging is fossil fuel based, so that's oil based, which means its cost goes up as energy costs go up as the price of a barrel of oil goes up. The transport costs for the cow from the farm to the butcher, that price goes up because of the the fuel price. And then getting that now butchered cow to your grocery store that price goes up the transport cost goes up because the cost of the barrel of oil goes up energy is one of those prices so what the federal reserve likes to do is say let's yank out the let's yank out the energy prices let's let's see what all the other prices in the economy are excluding energy prices because they're so volatile and what the fed likes to see is that inflation is excluding energy continuing to go down It hasn't seen that. What it has seen is instead that energy prices are, or inflation is still going up higher than it wanted. So what's the Fed's response? There's only one thing the Federal Reserve can do, and that's increase interest rates more. What this paper is saying, and what more people are coming to terms with is, there's gonna be a recession. The question is now when will the recession happen, not if the recession will happen. The Biden administration continues to say, it's possible we get out of this without a recession. No economist, mainstream economist on the left or the right thinks that is possible now. At this point, they all think a recession is coming. The question is, when does it come and how bad is it? I have to tell you, I've talked to a lot of economists, including some folks who used to be on the Fed, and they think it'll be a mild recession. I am still less and less sure of that. The only thing that makes sense to me, though, for these people who keep telling me it's a mild recession, the reason they say it's a mild recession is because economics like light is relative or time, I guess, not light. Our economy is in so much better shape than all of the other economies on the world, including China, that if there is a recession, What would be a bad recession for us will feel mild because we'll still be able to buy product roughly cheaper than other places in the world because of the value of the dollar and the strength of our economy. So our mild recession won't be good, but it'll be better than everywhere else and will probably put us in a better financial position when we come out of the recession than anywhere else, including China, as long as we keep on top of it. I'm still a little bit hesitant to say it's going to be a mild recession. What I'm very intrigued by, however, is when does it happen? Most economists think that your recessions begin about a year after interest rates go up. If that happens, that means it's going to be towards the end of this year, the recession really hits, the economy really slows down. If that really happens, that puts Joe Biden headed into a recession in 2024 for his reelection. If Joe Biden heads into 2024 with his poll numbers below Donald Trump's levels, and they're there already, and a recession, it puts the Democrats in a pretty brutal place. They'll have to bank on crazy Republicans. And you know what they're gonna do? They're gonna try to claim every Republican is a crazy Republican without any nuance to try to make the case to the public. It's better to go with Joe Biden in a recession who you don't really like then go with these Republicans. And I have a hard time, if it's not Donald Trump, I have a hard time thinking the American people will, will bite on that line. Because it won't be Joe Biden against Marjorie Taylor Greene and Carrie Lake and all the crazy Republicans. It'll be Joe Biden against a known Republican who that Republican himself or herself just has to be sane. And if that Republican looks sane, it makes the rest of the GOP look sane or shows how fringe and anomalous the really insane ones are it becomes a harder thing for Joe Biden and the Democrats to pull off. As we head into a recession, that's probably going to happen. The Federal Reserve is going to have to keep raising interest rates, and that means our costs for mortgages, for car loans and the like, even our credit card bills, going to get more and more expensive, and we're probably going to get this recession towards the end of this year. So be smart now with your money and save what you can. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at refundspro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund, there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify refundspro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at refunds with an S, refundspro.com. That's refunds with an S, pro.com. Yes, you can. And again, it's an open line Friday, uh, so you can call in about all your topics. I wasn't here yesterday, so if you have something pressing on your mind, feel free uh, to make it past the call screener today, eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five. I can't. Why? Why? I, I, all of the major news networks are focusing on that that guy over in South Carolina, Alex Murdaugh, or, or whatever his name is, who stole from his law partners. Now, I, I got to tell you something. It, it, it's one thing to steal from your clients as a lawyer. It's a bad thing to be in a partnership with other lawyers and to steal from them as well. This guy just seems like he, he's trying to avoid the death penalty or some such. Uh, he wants you to know he's a horrible person, but uh, please don't believe he killed his wife and kid. I, 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 We used to have court TV for this stuff. I, I, I guess my thing is, yeah, it, it's a very interesting trial, but is it worth every national news channel in America covering this thing? the play-by-play when there's so much other stuff going on. I, I guess we've reached that point of the year where there's really just not a ton of stuff happening because they're all covering this instead of anything else. It, it's kind of kind of wild to, to realize we're back in the day where the news networks are covering some random state murder trial in South Carolina as opposed to, I don't know, a plane going off the train going off the tracks in East Palestine or a war in Ukraine or something like that. It's just kind of a weird setup. Um, I don't know, 877-973-7425. When we come back, there's a growing chorus of people who want Ron DeSantis to get on out there. There's some polling that has DeSantis now in the lead uh, against Donald Trump around the country. Uh, uh, WPA Intelligence, uh, Chris Wilson's group, probably the best Republican pollster out there, has a detailed poll of Republicans who have actually voted in Republican primaries, has DeSantis leading uh, Donald Trump pretty significantly. I want to, I, I want to talk about what goes into these sorts of things and what DeSantis probably has still has to think about. He's meeting with donors in Palm beach as well, undoubtedly laying things out. Um, when I come back, I want to spend some time. I'll take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. But want to spend a moment On this DeSantis gambit for the presidency, assuming it's going to happen, what's going on? Right now, I want to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm three-pack. You can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. All you do is put in the discount code, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at EdenPureDeals.com, and you get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for the basement or your RV, your travel bag. You can hold it in your hand. It's not big. Uh, bigger than an iPhone, but, but not big, hold it in your hand. You can plug it into the wall or use a USB cord and it wipes out odors. Yes. It's an air purifier. So it gets rid of the dust and the pollen, but it also eliminates odors. So you can get rid of litter box odors, pet odors, smoke odors, musty odors. Um, you, you've had relatives in your house for a few days. You can get rid of their odors. <laughs> Just edenpuredeals.com. The discount code is Eric E R I C K. You'll get three of them for less than $200 you're saving $200, and you get free shipping, all you do is go to the website EdenPureDeals.com and you put in the discount code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. You get an odor eliminator that is filterless. You don't have to buy subscriptions for filters, and it just plain works. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC. Hello there. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Uh, It is an open line Friday. You can call in about your topics, 877-877 nine, seven, three, seven, four, two, five. Uh, I, 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 a word, if you will, please. Cause I, I feel guilty and I, I need to absolve myself of my guilt. I try to be fairly interactive with a lot of you. Uh, and unfortunately that means that I get a lot of emails now from a lot of listeners, uh, more than I have in the past. Um, and it's usually from the same listeners, oftentimes multiple times in the show, even. Uh, and and I love you guys. I just don't get offended if you don't hear from me. I have so many emails, particularly after the last 48 hours of not being sick. I, I'm really tempted to just hit delete on my inbox and start over. I got tons of emails from tons of people. Where are you? Are you feeling okay? hope everything's well. I really, really do appreciate it. I really do. And I just feel personally guilty when I can't respond to everybody's email. And at this point, I just can't. Uh, and on top of that, uh, people who, during the middle of the show, they catch something I say and they email about it. Uh, and I just, I can't keep up at this point. I, I can't. Uh, it is, I I will do better next week. It's just kind of overwhelming this week. So, my apologies. Before I get into what I want to talk about, I want to go to the phones. 877-973-7425. Ed, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Hi. Um, Hi there. My name is Ed. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, my name is Ed. I'm uh, been in transportation forty-five years. I work for one of probably five thousand freight forwarders in the US. Um the Palestine uh spill. If anybody wants the facts on it, go to www.ecfr.gov. Specifically title 49 part 172. It's very easy to navigate. It explains everything you need to know about what should be done and it includes the penalties if they don't do it, okay? None of the now, for those who just, just about- hang on, hang
0: on, Ed, let, let me back this up for people. So this website, it's the Code of Federal Regulations, which you'll be horrified to see how many federal regulations they are. Uh, there are, there are so many, but uh, what is it? It's 42, well, the public health one?
1: Uh, it's, it's part 49, which is transportation. There's 49. only 50 parts of it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So title 49. Part 172, and there's an index that you can go down to. It explains everything to do with all the regulations relating to truck, air, steamship line, rail, and pipeline, okay? Mm-hmm. In this specific case, um, every, the, the U.N. number for this spill is uh, 1806. There's actually a, a lot of fact sheets that you can get on it by just going to Google, Okay? OK, so the bottom line is this is a very hazardous material um, in order for you to even control this hazardous material. You have to be trained and you have to be tested uh, by either the government or an agency. So I used to be certified in hazmat and everybody who uh, offers for transportation, these chemicals must be certified and there is also a hazmat declaration that has to be filled out prior to transport. Now, in the event of a an incident, there is a res- emergency response guide, and it's either by Chemtrek, uh or MCO. Or you know, you, you want, the listeners won't understand all these agencies, but the bottom line is the way that the government's handling this is ridiculous. It does not. They're they're not really giving the information. I believe even to the residents of Palestine uh, to how to handle and mitigate. But it goes in the. Go ahead. The 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 EMCO guide. um, uh, It's considered uh, when you transport it by ocean. It's considered a marine pollutant too. Uh, The EMCO guide uh, and the emergency response guide tell you what needs to be done to deal with this uh hazardous material.
0: Well, and so, and uh, apparently for, from what I understand from the press reports, uh burning it off is one way to do it, but they 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 came in pretty quickly and burned it off and then told everyone that it was <laughs> that it was safe to come back did not leave people reassured in the process of of trying to come back. The you know, Norfolk Southern uh, they're responsible. I mean, there's no way around Norfolk Southern is responsible, and if you take the partisanship out of it, Pete Buttigieg is not responsible for what happened. The Biden administration is not responsible for what happened. Norfolk Southern is responsible for what happened. But the initial response of the federal government to just let Norfolk Southern come in and just, hey, we're going to set fire and burn this up – really left people uh, not exactly reassured, and then it spilled into the waterways, and then the federal response from there just got bungled. Uh, I mean, and again, this gets back to what I was saying earlier, just the basics. They they forgot about the basics. They didn't get the basics right. And when you don't get the basics right on this stuff, you kind of give people pause on wanting to – to do more when you can't get the basic fundamentals of government right. Listen, I'm a conservative for a lot of reasons, one of which is I think the government that does the least does the best. But our government, it can't get even just the basics of delivering the mail right these days. It can't get the basics of of, uh, infrastructure right. It can't get the basics of education right. All of this, and the federal government should play no role in education anyway, and yet it is. And you, if you don't believe me on that, look at Article One, Section Eight. Education is not listed there, and yet they, through use of money, weave themselves into state level education infrastructure and continue to screw it up. The guidelines just get screwed up. This government is not good at the basics, the basic blocking and tackling of of just taking care of people. It screws up. It leaves people all sorts of doubts about the competency of government to do anything else, including national defense. Jim, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Jim. Hello. Hi Hello. 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 Hi, Jim. Hey, you're breaking up on me. <laughs> oh, that's all. That's your end, not me.
2: Okay. Well, I don't know. I can't tell it. has been all right. But anyway, you're, you're the person that answered said y'all had some problems with it breaking up in the past. Be that as it may, uh, I was calling, and you, you said you didn't have a whole lot to talk about. And I said, maybe we ought to pick our eyes up and look at the wider scope on the world these days and what's going on over in China and Russia and not get so immersed in these things that are just local here, which are important. But we need to, need to be <laughs> assertive on an international basis. And if we need not to have people threatening us all the time. As former President Theodore Roosevelt said, you know, Walk softly, but carry a big stick, and uh, and I think there's a lot of truth in that.
0: Yeah, look, so I, 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 I personally think, Jim, we need to focus on the Monroe Doctrine more and, and keep other nations out of the Western Hemisphere more than we're doing. Um, it, it it's it's frustrating um, that this administration in particular uh, has done a very poor job of keeping China out of and this by the way in fairness goes back to the obama administration really the end of the bush administration it was the bush administration that was starting to raise concerns about the chinese beginning to buy up mines in south america and and working to control the entrance and exit of the panama canal the obama administration did nothing with those warnings and they've expanded we really need to re-emphasize the monroe doctrine of keeping Eastern powers out of the Western Hemisphere, which we've done a terrible job at. You're right. I mean, we, we, we need to pay attention to those big things. But, it, Jim, this gets to the basic point, though, that here in this country, we expect basic things from government. And across the board, government is failing at those basic things. In Chicago, they're having a mayoral election. Uh, Lori Lightfoot is the mayor of Chicago, the woman who looks like Beetlejuice is probably going to lose her re-election. Uh, she can't get people to say Beetle, Beetlejuice three times or to vote for her at the, the ballot box, in large part because of crime. Crime has gotten out of control. And voters are starting to react to it. And I, so here's... I, I want to be blunt and frank, and I don't want to offend people. I mean, I don't care if I offend you, but it's not my intention is not to willfully offend you. A lot of people get really worked up about the body cam footage of police officers that seem to show police brutality. I don't know how to put this to you other than to just tell it to you straight. But when Americans do not feel safe to be in their community, don't be surprised when they stop caring about the police brutality videos and start rooting for the police in those videos. We oftentimes deal with pendulum swings over corrections and corrections. And I think we've kind of the pendulum is starting to swing again on these issues that uh, we might've overcorrected. We might've uh, done gone too far in criminal justice reform For some, I I know there are people on the right who think that we went too far on criminal justice reform. I I think President Trump's uh, criminal justice reform actually did the right thing and was a good law. And there are probably still a lot of people in prison who don't necessarily need to be there for drug offenses. But at the same time, this um, lack of policing, this over-caring about the criminal element Lori Lightfoot in Chicago is being challenged by another progressive and the progressive who is winning in Chicago right now is all about law and order that we need to we got to fund more police and the police need to protect and serve and Lightfoot's response is that well we've hired more police but we have to invest in the community to stop the criminals we can't just round everybody up and throw them in jail yes actually you can I know this is something the left likes to say The left likes to say you can't just round up all the criminals and throw them in jail. You must invest in communities. But no, actually, you can round up all the criminals and throw them in jail and the streets will be safe. Throw them in jail, lock away, lock them away, throw away the key, and don't let them out, and the community is going to be safe. You may not like that. You may wish there was something else to do. You may want to do other things, but if you just aggressively round up all the criminal element, throw them in jail, your streets are going to be safe. Will that cause overcrowding in prisons? Yes. Build more prisons. That creates jobs to build the prisons. There are ways to keep people safe. This idea advocated by people like Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, that you're not actually gonna solve the problem unless you do it holistically, that sounds good at an academic level, but at a real world level, people are getting gunned down every day in Chicago. You round up the people committing the crimes, throw them in jail, keep them there, you're gonna get the criminals off the street, that's gonna make Chicago safer. We have allowed the left to make the academic arguments on criminal safety for quite a while now, and what we've seen is an increase in crime, this idea that we have to coddle people because we, we can only uh, throw people in jail based on some racial quota system where we've got this many black people in jail. Now we got to fill up the white people and the Hispanic people before we put any more black people in jail, or we can't police this community where there's crime because it's an ethnically minority community. we got to go police the areas of the city where there isn't crime. People are starting to realize this is nonsense. There are parts of cities that have crime. You go there to root out the crime. There are people who are criminals. You throw them in prison. You, you, you stop coddling people. You you stop making these DEI arguments about crime and you just go arrest the bad criminals, throw them in prison. You make things safer. Forget about investing in the community. Forget about the need to create jobs in the community. Yes, you should create jobs in the community. Yes, you should invest in the community. But to do that while there's a crime wave instead of rounding up the criminals first so people then do want to invest in the community is nonsense. And even in Chicago, the liberal argument is starting to lose to the reality of crime as it should be. And the fact is, when you root out all the crime, and you round up all the criminals, and you throw them in prison, and the crime rate goes back down, then we can start having these arguments again about investing in communities. But no one wants to invest in your third-world crime-ridden hellhole. Now, you've got to invest— you could do it with Advantage Gold if you're interested in uh, if you're interested in gold as a precious metal for your investments. Um, Advantage Gold can help you, and you can give them a call. You can call them at 800 450 2566. You got inflation right now. Let me just check to give you a sense of it right now here this afternoon. The Dow is down 400 points. The NASDAQ is down 227 points. You got free for all in the stock market. You got all the inflation issues. You got the geopolitical turmoil. Gold might be a good way to invest. If you have questions about it, Advantage Gold can help you. They don't give you a lot of gimmicks. They just give you real education, 800-450-2566. They are TrustLink's number one highest rated gold company out there. TrustLink's highest rated, number one rated gold company, seven years in a row. Advantage Gold has the best prices, the best staff, the best IRA department in the country. They're ready to help you protect your retirement, protect your savings. Call them at 800-450-2566. Just let them answer your questions. And you'll realize this isn't a company that gives you a bunch of gimmicks. They just give you real-world solutions to your investment problems. They answer your questions. They answer them candidly, frankly, give you all the education you need to make the smartest investment decisions when it comes to precious metals. 800-450-2566. Building and loan wherever you are nationwide, if you want your business to grow, reach out to First Liberty. See if they can help you. They may be able to get you to yes, where a lot of banks are saying no. First Liberty GA.com is their website. First Liberty GA.com. Let's go to David next. Welcome to the show.
2: Hey, David. Um, hey, Mark. Let me say, <laughs> Eric. I'm sorry. I got your name. Real quick, you know, uh, mechanical. Uh, Railroad cars are mechanical, engines are mechanical, just like your car's mechanical, and when something fails, you may not know it until it's failing. Gray roads have hot yeah excuse me gray roads have right. hot box detect hot box detectors about every twenty five miles and if it reads within tolerance of what they' set it for, that car may not hit the next detector. it could be just about ready to fail, so that the, you know so the dispatcher says you've got an error, you've got a hot box or the detector tells the head and they got hot box, what car, what axle, what side. And I don't totally blame the railroads because you can't inspect anything right now and expect it. Uh, I don't know, 50 miles away to still be the same, if it's getting ready to fail. And so I just, that's what I think about. I worked for a railroad for 35 years. I have a family member who works for the railroad in the yards. So we know what's happening and how it's happening. And I just, part of it is just mechanical failure.
0: And uh, there's nothing Rainbow could have done about it. So, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I will say, based on what I've read so far, there appear to be uh, some conflicted accounts now as to the overheating had been detected and there were mixed signals as to whether or not they should have stopped or continued and they chose to continue. I think the NTSB is still investigating. It's uh, they, They've reached their initial conclusions that it was um, bearings in the axle that overheated but as to whether or not the call was made to, to stop it or not, I, I think that's still in the air. Time will tell. The, the frustrating thing with these, uh, very typically, and it's not frustration, but it is, is NTSB really will take its time and do due diligence. Everyone will point fingers. A final report will come out a year from now, and everyone will have moved on already. Um, so we'll find out what happened. I, I, I do have to say, though, that Uh, Norfolk's, this was Norfolk Southern's train and it was on Norfolk Southern's tracks. So it is Norfolk Southern's fault. Taxpayers of the United States should not be on the hook for what happened in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, we, the, the people of the United States should go in and help. If we have to deploy federal resources to clean up, we should and keep track of the costs and make Norfolk Southern pay the bill. Uh, this is on them. It's not on you and me. Uh, if we got to help, let's help. Uh, But let's charge Norfolk Southern's account. They're a for-profit company. They make profits. They have insurance. We should not lose sight of that. When we come back, Ron DeSantis' game plan for running.